Is it true you do core training every morning? Uh, <laughs> not every morning, but in a, in a base training phase, um, it would, could be like five, six days a week. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Ask Lattice. Today I'm joined by Johnny Kidd and Johnny is a new coach here at Lattice but he's also got a wealth of experience and is a high level boulderer. So Johnny has bouldered V14, is mm-hmm. that right? Yep. Working on a V15 at the minute. Yep. He's also got a MSc in sports science uh, as well as your BSc, so your undergrad. So yep. uh, very well educated from university. So my first question is, what lessons did you learn from your like formal education and, and how have you applied them to your own climbing and training? Ooh. <laughs> Going straight with it's you. a tricky one. He's yeah. like, oh, I, I didn't learn anything. <laughs> so long ago. No, just, um, so I, well, yeah, the formal education, I think it's been quite difficult translating a lot of it into climbing specifically, mainly because when I was at uni, climbing didn't really seem to be a thing. Um, so in, lot, in the literature a lot of bridging like, the gap yeah yeah it's not necessarily climbing specific research, exactly but. yeah i think we had one lecture where they mentioned things about climbing and it was to do with friction yeah okay. of like a foot on a bottle like or like rubber on a, a thing and that's yeah. that wasn't exactly what we train here yeah, yeah um so a lot of the things i think we're adapting sort of what i learned through endurance and strength and uh, strength and power work um of how that was developed in athletes and a lot of um a lot of our studies were sort of looking at like interventions so in extra beetroot juice was quite a high um focus topic that they did a lot of research on yep. so that was mainly looking at the endurance side in like uh cyclists and long distance runners and stuff like that and how to improve um i believe it increased the dietary nitrates in the body which made that your body was actually able to use oxygen more so improving the aerobic like, capacity yeah, yeah exactly um, so a lot of it's about making inferences from uh general research in sports science yes. and then trying to apply that exactly, to, yeah. to particular aspects of, of your climbing. Yeah, exactly. And I, I tried to make my dissertations the uh, very climbing specific, so that, that's where I managed to in, include my interests into it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, of course. But when I first went to uni, I wasn't really that climbing focused. Um, I'd sort of only started climbing a little bit just before going, so I was more of a tennis player before going into it and then yeah, 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 yeah. it took over from there. That's really interesting to see. I actually have like a very similar introduction into climbing and, and research so I did a, a BSc in sports science I started climbing on as 18 which is the same time you started climbing yep. um, and I'd done that a little bit before but I went to uni maybe a year or two into climbing and that's where I really thought actually this climbing thing's really interesting and and then I started trying to focus all of my research yep. as much of that independent study as I could on, on climbing itself yeah nice that's cool okay so um, my next question is is it true you do core training every morning uh, <laughs> not every morning, but in a in a base training phase, um, it would could be like five six days a week. Okay, so uh, so I mean, basically, Johnny has like brought in this bug of core training, yeah. which everyone seems to have like got on the train with. Where like we always see Johnny in the morning doing core training in the lockup here, and now everyone's like, oh, maybe there's something in that. Like I should core train all the time, and like everyone started doing crunches and yeah. I, like I, I think it's one of the. the easier exercise or easier types of exercise to do that you don't have to warm up a ton to do it yeah. you can do it quite quickly and i don't feel like when you're climbing the stimulus can even like on a board the stimulus won't necessarily be high enough i don't think for keeping 
like or creating that tension especially like around the abdominal muscles yeah and i think just adding in core exercises is a really quick and easy way that you can do something and a lot of my climbing or like hardest climbs have ended up being in steep overhung like terrain so i think it's obviously helped some way in that respect because yeah. otherwise I wouldn't have had the success on the rock. So if you know about Johnny's climbing, he's pretty much a bit of a cave dweller in a cave called Bibbins Cave, right? And, yeah. And that's where his project is. That's why he's probably done most of your, a lot your hard of, I spent a lot British of ascents there. in there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think core training is specifically yeah. quite important for your, yeah, your style for sure. of climbing. So maybe that's quite, he's hooked on it. Yeah. <laughs> your first major sporting commitment was tennis, right? So you mm -hmm. were a tennis player before you started climbing, yep. before you went to uni. Um, I want to know how you have kind of transferred any of the lessons you learned from tennis to climbing. Do you think it helped you get into climbing or improve your ability to get better at it? Uh, I think the, so essentially my tennis coach was really into doing sort of different kind of exercises in order to, um, rather than just sort of, yeah, it was more about training the movement rather than the muscle. Okay. So we, he got us to have like, or him and a couple of my friends were sort of into climbing and these sort of, suggested it'd be like a good thing to do yeah. um obviously tennis you are holding a racket so there is a grip element that's going on with that as well and i think that has helped especially with sort of the, the extensive muscles in the forearm for me yeah um because they're quite well developed were um, you getting tennis elbow before you even started climbing uh no i, I think because we did quite a lot of conditioning work okay. i'd quite we'd, we'd balanced that out quite well um and, but i think that side is is probably what has helped me the most with with it because um Tennis, we were training, well, me and, my, me and my, like, the squad that I was with, we were sort of doing about, like, 20, 24 hours of training a week. Oh, wow, so, really high volume. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, and you can kind of do it with something like tennis because it's such, like, a skill-based sport and it's slightly less physical and there's, you're not yeah. limited by such small muscle groups. Yes. Um, and, yeah, I think then coming into climbing, it was like, all of a sudden, it was quite easy to hit the volume of training for me and without feeling fatigued. Um, okay, and I yeah. think that allowed, like, I think it held back my technique because I could just pull through moves on the holds that I could hold on to. Yeah. But I do think that has helped me um, be able to develop like a, like a sustainable sort of level of training that I've been able to maintain over the years. Yes, I think there's two really interesting things in that. Um, first is the volume of training you were doing. So mm. I think we see this a lot. If, if ever I'm working with a new athlete who's um, perhaps just starting climbing or starting to train harder in climbing, if I can see they've got a training background in pretty much any sport, it gives you an idea that they've one committed their ability to put in the work which mm -hmm. is, is quite a, a skill to have in itself yeah. um but that training volume is transferable between sports just the ability mm. to do a lot of work yeah, even definitely. if it's it's kind of different general movement patterns yeah um but the second one i want to pick a little bit more is is the forearm conditioning mm. uh what were you doing in tennis to condition your forearms for i guess that repetitive movement of wrist flexion I, and extension yeah i don't feel like we we definitely did sort of like rolls um, and things, but that wasn't a huge like factor. I think partly because every day you were, well, you, if you go and play tennis for like three hours, you're hitting the ball like thousands of times yeah. each and swinging it, and your wrist is pretty much always in a like a cocked back L position, so you're constantly working yeah. the extensors. Um, I think, so the action of itself actually playing I, tennis yeah, is very think, good yeah I so think, what you're saying is we should all pick up tennis, tennis yeah. <laughs> and then and that can be the forearm conditioning like, yeah. i think i think it's more of just a, a lucky um quince because i basically was playing tennis from like the age of seven until yeah. like 18 19 so i had quite a like large volume of just repeatedly doing that and i think as i was going through the ages of um 
puberty as well that would have helped with where the muscles would have developed more and things like that yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. Oh, cool that's interesting <laughs> yeah. nice okay um what would you tell your beginner self knowing what you know now about climbing so you started oh, yeah. when you're 18 yeah. so we're about 10 years into climbing now and you've obviously you've been to uni you've learned a lot and you're also climbing at a very high level now yeah uh what one or two lessons would you tell yourself back then when you were 18 and you were starting climbing? Uh, more isn't always more yeah <laughs> i think that's something that often gets missed um and that definitely overtrained um especially when the lockdowns that first hit i was like oh i can't climb outside at all now i'll just like hammer it and it was not yeah. the best way to do it one of the things for me um so this so something that had plagued me through training in practice was doing too much as well the fact mm. is that you just yeah. said i think we all get really excited about training especially when we find something new or like yeah. this is really cool and we we start doing loads of it but for me i always thought i would go back and tell myself to do more conditioning around my shoulders and probably more consistent yeah. with fingerboarding because i think what if whoever you ask this question to it usually comes back to their experience over their climbing career and for me, the things that probably held me back most were shoulder niggles and finger niggles. Right. I think yeah. injuries hold you back more than, than just not training enough. It's, it's mm. usually the yeah. other way around, yeah. doing I, too much. Yeah, I always say to people when they ask me, well, in, in the past when they used to ask me about questions about training, it's like, well, what's the best way to get strong? I'm like, the best way to get strong is to not get injured. Yeah, yeah, Because <laughs> totally. you can get in so many more hours of training. That's like, I think all time. I would have told myself um, is like, as soon as you felt anything niggly coming on, like just, yeah, just stop. stop. It's not worth it for that. Through it. Yeah, and spend more time doing that prehab style work, like strengthening the shoulders, being a general athlete before you just like hammer the specific stuff over and over again. Because yeah. I think we get really hooked on the specifics, but yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for just actually like being a general athlete. And that's why I think coming from a background like tennis or any other sport i think actually really benefits um climbers and their progression through the sport because mm. they have that background of of general conditioning and just learning how to be an athlete yeah i think another thing that helped me um was when i started route setting because all of a sudden it meant that i had to diversify like the angles of wall that i'd climb on mm -hmm. and i think i was often just like a lot of people i enjoyed steep physical climbs so i'd end up just only climbing on the steep physical things and then it came to setting it was like well you don't have the choice now you're you're on a slab you have to create a problem that's difficult on a slab um how are you gonna know if it's hard if you can't do it kind of thing yeah. um and i think uh, around the time that i started setting i definitely saw an improvement in my movement and my ability and i think if i'd if i'd done that sooner i think it would have helped a lot more with my climbing and not necessarily setting specifically but just making sure that i was climbing on the slabs climbing on the vert rather than just sticking to like the 45s or the roofs or things okay. like that that I was yeah. enjoying climbing. So diversifying your climbing style so, yeah, and yeah. actually putting learning yeah. more in focus rather than just uh, sticking to what was most fun. Yeah, yeah, because when, when you're new to a sport, it's like it, the, the amount of training that you have to do to get better is minimal because you can just do the activity. And if you enjoy the activity, yeah. that's going to be a way more enjoy, like, enjoyable way of training than going and hanging on a bit of wood or something like to get your fingers like a little bit stronger. So. I think I would have gained a lot more by doing a lot more of a well-rounded thing. So yeah, it's probably about five years or so into my climbing before I started setting. So I'd basically only climbed on steep stuff until then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely didn't help. Yeah, and then you had to set for a slab and you're like, is that, yeah, yeah, what is like, slab climbing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, oh. And then they'll get told like, oh, that foothold's too big. I'm like, I can barely stand on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay, um, so... So this is my last question, um, and I, I'd say my understanding of your climbing is you're very well accomplished 
project boulder so johnny's mainly a boulder um like very outspoken about hating sport climbing <laughs> um but you've you've really put in like some impressive like um efforts on some of these harder boulders mm-hmm. and you've been working uh this sit start for a while but it's also because of a, a bat ban you have to be very yeah. very committed to actually going back in seasons when it's available um what tips would you give to other boulders when it comes to specifically projecting hard climbs things right at your limit um for me a key thing is always working it like if it's say it's a sustained climb or you've got the more of like a fatiguing element to the climb as well as it just being hard which a lot of the things that i've tended to project have tend to be like slightly on the longer side for boulders so um, how, like how many moves along i think being i mind? think my sweet spot is like eight to twelve moves um okay. but that has then pushed sometimes a bit more closer to like 20 sometimes but not very often that's quite a long um, but yeah that's yeah. like for longer than some of the sport climbing yeah, the peak exactly, yeah. but i think it's mainly because I, I enjoy the, the steeper things um and a lot of the time in the uk you'll get like a stepped roof where if you're you're not really climbing on the roof because you keep your feet at the back and then you reach the lip and then you like cut or whatever so i because i want to enjoy that whole like being on a on the roof kind of aspect it kind of has to be a bit longer um, and something that's definitely helped me with that is sort of working a problem like backwards. Okay. So being really dialed on the finish and knowing exactly what you're going to do, because the worst thing that you want to do is be like getting through the crux or whatever, and then still dropping it multiple times because you don't really know the end that well. Yeah. Um, and I feel that's something that's definitely like helped me a lot. Um, yeah. Because I mean, I think that's quite a transferable skill to root climbers. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you just get sort of into the autopilot of like, oh yeah, I know what I'm doing. Don't really have to think about it. And also, that's when you're likely to be sort of, if you if you've hit the sort of flow state and mm-hmm. you're climbing like mindlessly, that'll be when you loot can be like losing and think, oh my god, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, and then you, you like, yeah, and then you make mistakes. Whereas if you just know that like the back of your hand, I think that's probably one of the most useful bits for me that okay. I've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really dialing in the finish. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Making yeah. sure it's kind of like just on autopilot mode when you get exactly, to that Exactly, exactly, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Nice one. So we'll finish it there, but that was cool. really interesting. Thank you, Johnny. You're welcome. Um, uh, so we've also got Roz uh, coming in, which is another yeah. coach. So stick around for that video. Um, if you enjoyed this video and the tips that Johnny gave you just then, don't forget to like and subscribe, and we'll see you next time.